Hey friends, welcome to the Happy Mama Project podcast. My name is Shelly Cray. I'm a high performance mental strength coach, and I'm really excited that you're here. This project has been in my heart for quite a while, and I feel really drawn to make 2020 the time that I really make it happen with this project. Let me just give you a little background about why this is so important to me and why I feel like it's time to say something. So when I was back in high school, um, I was a performer and I was an athlete and I was really involved and I struggled with some self-esteem and I struggled with some confidence issues. And what I didn't really realize at the time was a little bit of anxiety and depression, um, definitely went untreated. I had a lot of health problems and yet I was a really driven, passionate, you know, high performer type person. I was just always involved in everything and always trying to make things happen in my life. And I didn't know how to how to manage what I was feeling. And, you know, there were times as an athlete that I was like, I really want to be something as an athlete, but I didn't know how to make my body do stuff. I was so mentally weak uh, as an athlete that I didn't know. There was just like this whole mental game that I didn't know how to play. And it made it really hard for me to get my body to do what it needed to do. And I thought, you know, I probably had some decent capabilities, but I just was so... I don't know, I just struggled so much with fear and anxiety and being able to push myself, um, even though I wanted it really bad. And and so as I went on through high school, I had some different experiences where I realized I was really struggling and, um, you know, and those are stories for another time, probably later on in the podcast. But um, I just assumed that as I grew up, I would just mature out of, you know, fear and anxiety and whatever I was dealing with. Um, I went on to coach high school athletics right out of high school. I had an awesome opportunity to coach alongside who I consider one of the best coaches um, in the state of Utah, maybe even, you know, greater area than that. And that's my dad. I loved, uh, I loved being alongside him when it came to athletics. And I was a performer alongside my mom. Then I was an athlete alongside my dad. And I had the opportunity to keep coaching out of high school. And it was like, all I wanted to do was be a performer and be a coach. I just loved helping these kids. And I went to school to um, get a degree in human performance and physical education and um, childhood development and um, really just wanted to coach and to help youth. I really had this desire to help youth be able to navigate through the the mindset and the the skills that they needed better than what I'd been given. I really wanted them to have these tools and this knowledge and this education on success, right? And what it really meant to to be successful and to deal with the fear and everything that I had dealt with. And yet, the, the crazy thing was, is that at the same time, I didn't have any more tools than when I was in high school. I just had a desire. But I kept coaching and I kept seeing these kids show up with the same kind of concerns I had had, you know, and I thought I was a young adult and I was really involved in institute and in college and had my own business doing hair. And and I was like super involved in everything. And on some level, kind of that um, anxiety and some of the depression type feelings kind of subsided to an extent. Um, At least I thought they did. Right. And so I felt like maybe I was in a little bit better position to continue coaching and working and, um, And I didn't realize until, you know, I got married, I had some kids, um, and everything hit the fan. And I realized at that time after I'd had, you know, maybe, maybe two or three that 
the things that I experienced in high school, as far as my mental health and my my mental toughness, my emotional well-being, um, they didn't get better. In fact, now it was like they were amplified. You know, I was finding myself um, mom of three kids under the age of four um, with some decent health concerns, not anything super drastic, but, but stressful nonetheless. Uh, my husband's working full-time. He'd been in school full-time. We were dealing with some high family trauma um, and high family stress with the death of my mother-in-law and um, from a, a tragic accident, a bunch of different things going on in our family. Anyway, it was just like so stressful, right? And gosh, I was the mom of three young kids and that in and of itself is a high stress situation. Um, I wasn't sleeping and we just bought our first house and all these things going on. And I then realized I was starting to have anxiety just watching TV. I was starting to really struggle to get out of bed. Um, when I remember when I got pregnant with that third child, my pregnancies were really, really rocky. Um, I got severely sick and I had been in the ER twice from massive dehydration hydration and excessive vomiting and all sorts of things. And, um, you know, my babies, I, I tell my kids, I, I tease them a little bit and I feel bad because the only way, the only nutrients I got in my body, like my kids were built inside my womb on, um, narcotics and sugar because I had to, I had to take the narcotics to deal with the pain and the headaches that I would get. And then, um, the only thing I could keep down was sugar because I was so sick and and bless my kids' hearts. They've turned out okay, but but I feel like I didn't give them a right, really great start. Um, but I was a mess. And I realized, and I was still kind of continuing to coach a little bit with my dad and doing a lot of managing of his team and and, and doing some coaching there. And, um, and I was just doing anything I could to stay busy because I felt so hollow inside. Um, and I felt so, I feel guilty that I felt unfulfilled as a mom. And it had nothing to do with being a mom. It was just, I didn't know how to deal with how I felt. And, um, and so when that third pregnancy came around, I remember my husband, um, asking the young women in the ward, cause I was pregnant during the summer for a little while during the worst part of it. And he said, you know, are there any young women who need like work on a, on their personal progress that they could come over in the morning when I leave at work at seven until about nine or 10, when my wife can actually get out of bed and function on some level, because I got two little girls that are age let's see, she would have been not even two and not quite four at the time. Um, my other girls that needed a mom and I was so sick and so depressed that I couldn't function. Bless those girls' hearts. They came and kind of took my little girls under their wing and we made it. We made it through, but it wasn't easy. Well, at that point, I realized we had a problem. I I was in, I didn't really give it the credit it was at the time, but it was kind of a mental health crisis. Um, and my husband was struggling as well. And we needed intervention somehow. Um, I had prayed and I had prayed about um, what to do, how to help. Uh, at the time, we were doing this really cool um, fitness challenge with the Relief Society. And the bishop's wife was such a darling lady and she ran marathons and we got extra points for how long we exercised. And I wanted to beat her because I knew she was training for a marathon. So she was putting in a lot of hours running. And so I started exercising like a beast. A um, couple hours a night, my kids, I'd put my kids to bed at nine o'clock, put my husband to bed at 10 and I would exercise till one or two in the morning. And that's really how I coped. That's how I got through that time in my life when things really started to spiral out of control was, you know, these sisters in the ward were supporting, we were each supporting each other on this kind of health challenge where we were trying to eat better and we were trying to cut out our sugar and, and add more water and exercise and read our scriptures. And it was a really cool challenge. We'll have to do it sometime as happy mamas because it's, it's it was really fun. 
Um, but that was kind of a turning point for me in taking back control a little bit. Um, but at that time we realized we really needed to do something different. If we kept living the life we'd been living, uh, things weren't going to get any better for our mental health and, um, and the lives of our kids and, and everything. And so, um, over the course of five minutes at Arctic Circle, eating ice cream after a dance recital, my husband had taken the four-year-old to the bathroom and my in-laws, um, had mentioned something to the fact that they were ready to retire from the family business. They were just waiting for the right buyer. And I knew instantly in my heart, it was us. And we had talked about it for years and years of the option of possibly taking over the family business. But at that moment, I knew it was the right thing for us to do. And so while my husband was gone for those five minutes, I committed us to uh, purchase the family business. (laughs) And by the time he came back out, I said, hey, hon, we're moving and we're going to buy the business. And he said, okay. And as we walked out to the car, we knew it was the right thing to do. And we set the wheels in motion. Our house sold in eight hours. We were gone within a month. And um, and the wheels started turning for us to really start over in a new environment, in a new situation for us that turned out to be the biggest blessing of our lives and one of the hardest things we've ever we've ever dealt with. At that time, when we when we came down to help run the family business, it was a photographer studio and a print shop in a cute little town in central Utah where my husband had grown up and he'd worked the business with his dad for several years. And his dad was a just a beloved man in the community and, and very well respected and he'd run a very good business. Um, we came down to take over the business, help for that first year to get our feet back in it before we helped him retire. And um, at that time, my mother-in-law uh, said, hey, I want to bring in a gal I've taken a seminar from. I want her to come teach our, our team, our employees about they called it the winner's creed. And it was all about how our brain works and how to get it working for us and and really start changing the course of your life by getting in control of the things you can control. And I really hadn't done to that point very little personal development, very little business training, anything like that. So this was new to me. But I remember sitting in our cute little shop at night after we'd closed it up and this, and this cute Susan came down to teach our class. And for the first time, I realized, you know, years and years I'd been praying for a solution for what I didn't realize was a major mental health crisis. Um, and medication had never felt right to me. But here I was in the middle of this um, of this class, and she started talking about how our brain works. And she started talking about how to change our thoughts and how to be in control of our emotions and and how to how to actually set goals and get our brain working for us. And all these things that I had dreamed of learning when I was coaching, you know, and I still, I was coaching at the time still, um, now at my husband's alma mater instead of my alma mater, um, which is so funny because they were bitter rivals when we went to school. So the fact that he married the coach's daughter um, was just hilarious to us. But anyway, here I am now coaching at the, at the enemy. And I'm learning all this stuff about the brain. And I just sat and sobbed because I realized that for, you know, eight years or something at the time, I had been praying for a solution. You know, I remember sitting in high school assemblies um, and listening to speakers say, you know, there's this power within you and you can choose to be happy and be motivated and da 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 And they, you know, they get you all riled up and it was so great, right? And they would, um, they'd walk out the door and you'd go, ugh, like, all of a sudden, all that left with them because they didn't teach you how to do it. They just told you you could and you got all excited about, you know, being positive and having having things change in your life, but they never gave you any tools is what it felt like for me in a lot of ways. And and here I was sitting in this in this class being given the tools. 
And I just cried and I cried because I knew the Heavenly Father had been mindful of me and was answering this prayer that I'd been praying for so long. Like, this is a big piece of your puzzle, Shelly. And the cool thing about that was, is I started implementing what she was teaching us and I started seeing things shift in my life. I started to see that my not natural to me negative attitude that I had developed, because I'm really an optimistic, happy-go-lucky you know, casual kind of person, but I had really developed this cynicism and this skepticism and kind of this negative outlook on everything. And I started to see how I could change that. And I started to put things in place. So it was changing. Uh, I started taking the information that I thought, man, this is what I really wanted for my athletes. So I built this program. I said, okay, I'm going to build this into a class that I can teach them what I've learned. And I called it the winner's edge, right? That you can have the, the winning edge. This is the that part of the mind game that most athletes never, especially on a high school level, never get taught, right? I ne- had never been taught it. And yet this was the stuff I was like, man, if I would have had this as an athlete, like I could have been that state champion I really wanted to be. Instead, I had to settle for nothing because I couldn't get through some of these mental barriers that I had. And here I was learning this. And so I built this course for them. And for five years, I taught the course every week during track season. And then we'd take it out to the track and we'd implement it. And it was really cool because these kids were just latching on to this information. They were like, whoa, we've never seen this before. And it started to not just affect what was happening on the track, but it was happening. It was affecting what was happening at school. It was affecting what was happening in their jobs. And it was affecting what was happening at home. And these kids were starting to come back with, just these cool stories of like, hey, I tried da-da-da-da-da, right? Something that we'd learned in our class. And this is what happened. And it was just awesome, right? And then these kids, you know, some of these kids who really were gifted physically were able to put this mindset piece together with their physical gifts. And they were setting state records and they were earning scholarships. And I had one that even was working his way to the Olympics. And it was just cool that they could apply this stuff. And I just thought, man, I've landed on a gold mine here. Well, around that time, I started to, you know, I had a moment with one of my children. You know, we'd moved to a new place. We'd started her in school for the first time in this cute little community. She was really smart. She was really spunky and really happy. And something, I still can't quite figure out what it was, something happened in kindergarten that really squashed her spirit. And the year, the summer after kindergarten, my cute little six-year-old, happy-go-lucky, spunky daughter spent the summer on the couch depressed like literally depressed and things coming out of her mouth were about um not living here anymore to put that kindly and I thought are you kidding me this is a six-year-old we can't be dealing with this you know I took her to a doctor and the doctor said six-year-olds don't deal with depression you're crazy she's fine and I said I need help and was drastically looking for help. But the crazy thing, the thing that was so heart-wrenching, despite, I mean, there was that piece of knowing that my daughter was struggling with this that um, really, really, of course, ripped some mother's heart out. But the thing that really was the turning point for me and kind of the slap upside the head, if I can be honest, was that as I was listening to some of the things she was saying, um, definitely not the parts about taking her life, but some of the other things that she was saying on how she saw life and how she you know, her outlook, I realized that she was just repeating how I talked about things, that she she had grasped the concept of life by listening to me and I had not taught her healthy things because I didn't have a healthy mindset. I didn't have healthy mental health or emotional wellness. And I was her example, right? And it was at that point that I realized I have to get a handle on this for myself. 
I have to get a handle on this for myself. And then I've got to teach my kids and I've got to teach other people because this is, this is really becoming a serious problem. I, in my mind, it's like an epidemic that we are experiencing more and more unhappiness, unfulfillment, um, anxiety, depression, all these different things. Right. And, and there's gotta be a solution out there. Right. So we started looking for help. We started applying what I was learning in Winter's Creed, started trying to teach her. We did a lot of different things. And over the course of this podcast, I'll probably share a lot of those with you in case there's something that might help you. Um, but the biggest thing was getting control over my mental health. And um, it was around that time also after I'd been teaching Winter's Edge to these athletes for a couple of years that I had this strong impression. And it was like I saw a picture in my mind that... Um, Heavenly Father needed me to share what I was learning um, with other women and that there were other moms and there were other women in the gospel like me who wanted desperately to be happy, who wanted desperately to live the life that God needed them to live and to have the kind of influence and impact in their home and whatever circle of influence God, you know, blessed them with. And yet we've all felt so stuck because we didn't know how to deal with a negative mindset and, you know, all these different things that were going on in our lives that were causing high stress and anxiety and depressed feelings and all these different things that were happening. And I saw this, this, this picture of these women um, all sitting together and, and Heavenly Father just gave me that little glimpse of who, who those women were. And my heart was softened and he said, Shelly, write a book. And I was like, wait, what? I'm not an author. Like I talk for a living. And he said, Shelly, write a book. And I was like, okay. And he said, I, w- I need you to build out a program and take the things that you've learned and put them in a way that people can understand. And I thought, okay. And so I gathered a few friends and I said, hey, is there anybody who'd like to learn what I've been learning? And there was a couple who did. And I said, okay, we're going to get on the call once a week and I'm gonna, just going to share something new once a week with you. And I, so before those calls, I would um, script it all out because I didn't want to miss anything. And I would prepare an hour call and, um, and then we'd get on the call and I deliver this information and then we'd talk about it and we'd have some homework for the week. And over the course of, um, it was probably like three months or something, I had developed these nine keys And really for me, it was gaining control over the mess in my head because that's what it felt like. It just felt like I always just had a mess in my head. I didn't know how else to describe, you know, the anxiety and the depressed feelings and the the different things I was experiencing other than it was a mess. And I had trouble focusing and I had trouble getting clarity and and feeling calm and all those different things. And um, so anyway, we we went through this coaching program and they loved it and it helped me a ton. And here now I had nine calls, hour-long calls scripted, and I had pages and pages of what later became a manuscript for a book. And I, um, I published the book, I started sharing with people, I started speaking and helping people with mindset. And it really, it was a really awesome experience. Well, fast forward, um, I felt really great <laughs> for a while um, better than I ever had. I was taking care of myself physically. I was taking care of myself spiritually. I was meeting the needs of my body and my spirit. I was living a purpose higher than I'd lived before. Um, and I was finding a lot of joy in motherhood. And I was just 
working really hard on my mindset. And so I was starting to see the world through a different lens and I was starting to feel more positive and starting to achieve goals. And this is when I wrote my book and started coaching and doing some different things. And, um, and things were going pretty good. We sold the family business. We felt like we needed to move on to something else. We started, my husband and I, a coaching and speaking business. Things were going okay. And then um, two weeks, uh, let's see, towards the end of May, I get this call from the bishop and he said, hey, it's Trek this year and we are short a mom and a pa. Is there any way you and your husband can go? Well, at the time I'd had another baby and so I had four kids and he was... Oh, he was probably two, maybe two and a half. I don't even know for sure. Um, and I was like, sure, like grandma and grandpa can take the kids. My other kids are getting a little bit older. Like we can do this. It'd be amazing. And I'd always wanted to go on trek. So I go on trek with my husband. We have an awesome experience and we're doing the women's poll. And if you've ever been on trek with the youth, <laughs> that often there's a part where they reenact um, something that happened when the pioneers really were coming across the plains in the handcarts and the men had been called away and the women had to pull the handcarts by themselves. And they often will reenact this on a hill where it's really hard and they make the men watch you. (laughs) And it's just you and your little girls and your family. And there was, I think there was three of us and we're pushing and pulling this handcart up to the top. And I physically hadn't been doing very well. And so I was really struggling physically. And my, my little daughters, you know, adopted daughters here are pushing with all their might. And it was really emotional to sit and watch the men watch you and see the agony in their eyes, knowing that they wanted so badly to come help you. But I had an interesting uh, experience as we're going up the hill. I get this overwhelming feeling that it's time for me to have another baby. Now, I'd had three really rough pregnancies. My fourth pregnancy was amazing, which we'll talk about in another episode, I'm sure. Um, and here it was time to have number five. And I was terrified. Uh, I was really terrified. My husband and I were running this business. Things weren't quite off the ground yet. There was a lot going on. And yet, I knew we were supposed to have another baby. So I got to the top just sobbing, sobbing. I was so overwhelmed with the spirit and the feeling that I was getting, this impression I was getting. And um, and I get to the top and I'm bawling and my husband's like, what's going on? And I was like, honey, we're supposed to have another baby. And he was like, I know. I'm like, ah, okay. So I got pregnant with our next, with our fifth child, a boy. And the pregnancy was super rocky. I went into complete despair mode. I was so discouraged and so depressed and so sick. And it was just like my first three pregnancies and it was so hard and my recovery was really hard. And I didn't know I had gone into postpartum depression, which I'd had with my first three, but I didn't with my fourth. And, um, and I was just really struggling. And I, there was there was even one point, this was kind of entertaining, um, where I just, I was so discouraged and I was so depressed that I was having a really hard time feeling any kind of joy and being any kind of happy. And I was having a really hard time. I felt like I'd become a master of controlling my thoughts and my emotions. Like I'd gotten really good at it. And at this point, I felt like I couldn't do anything. Like There was no control to be had. And somebody even said to me, a dear friend, and honestly, I don't even remember who it is, but if you're listening, thank you. Um, she said to me, do you think maybe it's time to read your own book again? <laughs> like maybe it's time for you to get a handle on your mindset. And I was like, 
yeah, okay. And so I tried to like get through the information again and like pull myself out of it. And I just couldn't, there was just, there was just nothing I could do. I finally got to the point where I went to a doctor and I said to the doctor, um, I'm concerned about myself. And he said, okay. And I said, I just don't feel very well. And so he did some blood tests and he said, hey, you've got some hormones that are out of whack. You've got some chemicals that are not happening and your gut's not very happy. Let's take control of those things. I was like, okay. So we took control of those things and I felt good for a little bit. And then I started to really tank again. I remember going back in a couple months later and I was so, so discouraged and so overwhelmed and so probably depressed. And I went in and I like... I said, I guess I need some more help. And he's like, okay, tell me what's going on. And I was like, well, I don't want to be another statistic. Like I know here in Utah, there's this thing about how all of us are on antidepressants and we're all, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I don't want to be another statistic. Like I'm not depressed, but I need some help. <laughs> and here I, I like kept telling him over and over again, like I, um, I'm not depressed. <laughs> I don't have anxiety. I just, I don't know what's wrong with me. There must be something wrong with me you know, but it's not that. And finally, he said, Shelly, hang on just a second. He said, do you want to be right? Or do you want to feel better? And I, I mean, uh, like, I looked at him and he said, just answer the question. Do you want to be right? Or do you want to feel better? And I said, I desperately want to feel better. I don't like what this is doing to my family. You know, if I was on my own, and no one was depending on me, and I could just sit in my house and do nothing, I could get through this. But this is really drastically affecting my life and my kids and my spouse and, you know, my callings and everything. I was in a, a high stress calling at the time. I had this new baby. We had some, some major stressful things happen in our life and I was just not okay. And he said, Shelly, we need to get a handle on your mental health. And here's what we're going to do. And, you know, I firmly believe that probably... I'm going to say 80%, maybe 70 to 80% of what we deal with as moms, um, when it comes to like our mental health, our emotional wellness, like the situations we come up against, we really could work with or deal with on our own if we had some tools and some education, some knowledge, right? The problem is most of us don't have that. And so um, there's that 20, 20 to 30% where it's really outside of what we could do on our own. We really do need that medical attention or that professional attention in whatever shape or form it comes from. And I had dropped from the 80% of I could handle this on my own. And if I had the right tools, which I had gained a lot of them over the years to I was now in that 20%. And I just looked at him and said, I have tried everything I know and I can't pull myself out of this. I need help. So he started digging deeper. And he found some serious things going on inside my poor little brain and my gut. So some levels that were totally off. And he said, okay, we're going to do everything we can naturally to pull this back in place because it's going to work so much better for you. Um, and in the meantime, to keep you from tanking any harder than you are, we're going to do just a low dose of a medication for anxiety um, as, as we get your body back into health so it can create what it needs to on its own. And that's the course we took. And, and as I was taking this medication, he was helping me with the things I needed to do naturally so my body would get to the level where it could take care of itself. And I'm so grateful for that approach. 
And he, he really started helping me with what we're going to talk about in the next episode, which is the five pillars to emotional wellness. Um, he started helping put some of those pillars in place for me that I had never dealt with before. So here I was, you know, thankful for the help in these pillars that he was addressing all these different needs that I had. I know it's been a slow process, but the thing that I, now I'm what, 18, 20 months or something, um, working through this. And the cool thing is, is that I've gained a greater understanding of what it really takes to have sustainable emotional and mental wellness. And here's, here's what I've discovered. I'll give it to you briefly. And then in the next episode, we're going to go a little deeper into those five pillars that I've discovered for myself. Um, it really takes getting what's going on physically in your body under control and meeting your body's physical needs. It takes some lifestyle changes, a, a, a certain lifestyle um, and meeting the needs of your body and your spirit based on choices you have lifestyle wise. It takes some spiritual needs being met. Um, it takes some mindset pieces. I don't think it can be done without mindset pieces. I'm a firm believer in that. Changing some of the ways we think and the ways we look at things and some of the perspectives we have. And then the last piece of the puzzle is living a life of purpose and knowing what that purpose is and knowing who God designed you to be and then showing up that way. And that to me brings that higher level of peace and joy and fulfillment, um, whatever that purpose is, right? That You get to decide that. But we're going to talk about here at Happy Mama, those five pillars and the things that I've learned about each of those and the ideas that I have and the tools that I use personally to be a happier mama, right? Because I got five little kids, not little anymore. Some of them are. I got two-year-olds up to 14. I got five kids who are depending on me. I got five kids who are learning from me what it looks like to be a stable, emotionally well adult. And I don't you know, sometimes I don't love what I'm teaching them, right? But what I found is that if I don't have all five of these pillars needs being met in some shape or form on some kind of healthy level, that I'm not able to sustain happiness and joy and peace, that I am a mess, right? And the other thing that I learned was that if I didn't have the first couple of pillars taken care of, like if there were some physical needs in my body, some lack of chemicals, too much chemicals, problems with hormones, gut health, some of those things that weren't in a happy, at least normal range, then no amount of mindset and other things was enough to counteract that, at least for me. That there were some pieces that had to be in place so that everything else I'd learned, all the other tools and the education I'd gained um, would work would do what it needed to do to bring me not just moments of happiness and joy or not just moments of peace or whatever, but something sustainable. So I'm a high performance coach. I <laughs> I love high performance. And all that means, like a lot of people think, oh my gosh, that means, you know, I have to be this athlete or I have to be this performer or whatever. And it's not. A high performer just means you're able to sustain living the life you were designed to live, living the person God designed you to be. You're able to sustain that right? On a day-to-day basis. And, and mental toughness, that's the other thing I teach is mental toughness is what it takes to break you. So as a mom, you know, there's those days where you just think if one more thing happens today, I think I'm going to crawl in a hole, right? And like, uh, 
And especially if you deal with anxiety, it's, I try, I tell my kids, anxiety feels like you're standing on a ledge, right? On the edge of this ledge and someone has a hold of the back of your t-shirt and they're just like holding you over, just holding onto your t-shirt and you're looking down over this huge ravine and you're dangling off the ledge basically and they just have your t-shirt. And then when any little thing happens, right? Like somebody spills the milk or somebody wakes up screaming or, you know, something happens. It's like somebody lets go of the t-shirt and you are just free falling. And it is just like pandemonium in your head. And that's kind of how I describe my anxiety. (laughs) Um, And what we want to do is we want to eliminate as much of that as possible, right? We want to get you away from the ledge (laughs) as much as we can. We want to help you just feels so much better, right? That, and I'm not here to sell you a pipe dream that life's going to be blissful. Okay. I've been through plenty of personal development where that's what they sold me. And people were paying thousands and thousands of dollars with the promise that like, we were going to make all your problems go away. We were going to solve everything for you and everything was going to be blissful. And then when it didn't happen, you felt like you were doing something wrong. And the reality was they'd sold you a pipe dream, right? I'm not here to be that voice of fakeness. Okay. I'm here to be the voice of reason and to say, you know what? There are things in life that are going to be hard. And what can we do to strengthen ourselves so that we navigate through them a little bit better, right? I talk about mental toughness, and this is just a metaphor for life. I'm a hurdle coach. So the 100 meter hurdles for girls has 10 hurdles in it. And those are barriers, right? You have to clear the barrier. You can't run around it. You can't run under it. You have to on some way, shape, or form, navigate over that hurdle, or you get disqualified from the race, right? So you have to get over all 10, and then you have to cross the finish line. And if you don't, you're disqualified. You don't get a qualifying time, okay? So I like to think of life as this race, right? There's going to be hurdles. There's going to be stuff all of us deal with. There's going to be things that, you know, through other people's agency, we have to deal with because people chose things. There's going to be, there's going to be consequences to our choices. And there's going to be just regular life things, right? The problem that I found for myself and that I saw as I started to coach more women was that we had those regular 10 barriers, but then it's like we drug in a whole bunch of other hurdles into our lane like turned them around backwards, turned them sideways, put them at angles, put them at all at random times and shapes based on things that we could control but didn't know how, like our mindset and some of our health concerns and our purpose. And then we tried to navigate through those. And it certainly wasn't graceful, right? We're trying to get through it as quick as we can. What I want to help you do here and help myself do on a greater level here with this Happy Mama Project is eliminate the extra barriers, the ones that we bring on ourselves because we don't know any better, right? Because we make choices or we're not intentional enough or we don't understand how to change our mindset. And so we're adding all these barriers to our life that doesn't necessarily have to be there. Like we're going to have enough just being mortal, right? Just experiencing this mortal life. We don't need to add to it. So what we want to do for 2020 and what we want to do for Happy Mama is we want to together eliminate as many of those barriers as we can and then learn as best as we can how to gracefully navigate what's left and how to be grateful and how to find joy in this journey. Because I think, and I said this to somebody at church the other day, and it just hit so home to me. It just came out of my mouth. I didn't realize it. And I said, you've got this enduring part really down, down really well, don't you? And she had a brand new baby. And she's like, yes, like we, mamas, we've got the enduring part. Most of us are in that 80% that I talked about earlier where 
we're getting by. We're surviving, okay? Kids are getting fed. They may not be getting fed well, but they're getting fed. Kids are being clothed. It may be dirty, but it doesn't matter. They're being clothed. They're making it to school, okay? Sometimes we're getting homework done. We're like meeting the basic needs. We may even be meeting more needs than that, but maybe not very gracefully. We've got this enduring part down. Like we will endure till the end of time if that's what's required of us. But there's this whole new level of enjoying this journey. And I remember when I first heard that because I was taught really well how to endure, okay? And when I heard President Monson say, enjoy the journey, I laughed out loud and I was like, what? That's not what we're here for. We're here to endure, baby. This is what we do. We suffer in silence, right? Then we become a victim. We want everyone to know about it. And when President Monson said, listen, yes, you're going to endure and you're going to enjoy. Like the goal is to learn how to enjoy. And that's what we're here to do, ladies. We can go from just surviving to a new level of reality, which is thriving in some way, shape, or form which is finding more joy in this journey that we're on, which is, which is finding more connection with our kids and our spouse, which is finding more joy in our callings, which is finding more um, connection to God and to our Savior and finding more peace. And that's really what the Happy Mama Project is all about. So if you're in, then I'm excited to have you along for the ride as we figure this out together, right? I'll share everything I've learned and I want you to share with me. You can go find the Happy Mama Project group on Facebook. Um, you can find some resources on jimmyandshelly.com if you want to go find some more things there. And we'd love to have you along for the ride. And you know, if you're willing to jump in this project with me, like I don't think when we get to the end of 2020, we're going to be the same. We're just, you just can't. If you're willing to do the things that we talk about here on this podcast, you will not be the same. You will not. So join me for 2020 and let's create an army of happy mamas.